Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of Romance in Color, your place for discussions of real inclusive love. I am your host Tati Richardson, one half of the duo here at Romance in Color. Still rolling solo dolo for a minute but it's all good because I have another fabulous interview with another amazing author on deck. Today we have an interview with Christian romance author Maya Kay. Uh, We talked to this North Philly girl about her purpose in her writing, what motivates her, and why she feels that writing romance, her particular style of romance, is a calling. So you all sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Romance and Color with author Maya Kay. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Romance and Color. And I am here with author Maya Kay. Uh, she's a North Philly girl who is an author who has some TV creds, TV and film writing under her belt as well. And a nice little degree from Temple University. I have some homies that went to Temple. Um, so, Maya, thank you for coming. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the episode series. I'm just happy to add value, you know, where I can. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. You're adding value by just being here and being a romance writer and being part of the community. Thank you. So I'm going to ask you the question I asked everybody when we first start uh, the podcast. What made you fall in love with romance? And what was the first romance book that you ever remember uh, reading? Mm -hmm. So I don't know if this was classified as romance, but it was it had heavy romance in it. And the book that caught my attention was called Caught Up in the Rapture by Shaneska Jackson, uh, who I should not have been reading (laughs) that book. Um, Like, again, it may have been considered and classified as just African-American fiction, uh, woman's fiction or adult fiction. But Uh it was the romance that I fell in love with in the book. But what made me want to write romance was chocolate star by sheila copeland mm, mm. loves it just fell in love with it mm. and how old were you when you started like reading romance how old were you so again like i said i probably shouldn't have been reading much of the <laughs> stuff that i was reading like i've read uh push which y'all know is precious the movie when i was alive right. so that right there yeah. tells you i shouldn't have been reading you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I would say, I know when I read uh, Caught Up in the Rapture, I was like in middle school. I was uh-huh. always on an advanced reading level. And then Chocolate Star, I was in high school. So I would say when I really started to enjoy it, um, it was in high school. Mm-hmm. It was in high school. Mm-hmm. So tell us about who you are professionally outside of, of writing. So how did yes. you make the transition from like being a reader to a romance writer? You know, it's crazy. You talked about Temple. I was in school for pre-med and Mm. I had no interest in being a starving artist, though I (laughs) always wanted to be a writer. It was in Mm -hmm. me, but I figured I'll be a doctor in the day and a writer at night. I know, (laughs) I know, I know. Um, like our girl Nia Forrester, she is a lawyer and she is a writer. So I just, growing up in North Philly, I didn't see a lot of doctors and lawyers and stuff like that though I wanted to be one but what I did see was a lot of broken artists like people singing walking down the street not making it rappers not who had made it so I was scared of that um so just 
you know, fast forward on a professional side, uh, it, I, I dropped my pre-med major on guys instructions and I ended up studying journalism. I was a double major at the time, so I didn't have to pick it up. I already was doing journalism, mm-hmm. which says it was always there. It was a right, writing bug right. there, but I was like, no, I want to be a doctor too. I'm going to make money. <laughs> and then uh, I took, when I graduated, I took a year off and went to uh, Arcadia University for my master's in English. And I took a course there called Writing for Children. That's when I fell in love because I, I write young adult as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, this is it. But on a professional side over the years, contrary to popular belief, you can't get a job with a degree. It just might be waiting tables. Okay. Right, so right. over the years, I have yeah. done a bunch of different things. I would say the core of like what I've done professionally has been like administrative. Um, but even today, like I'm a life and a business coach. Right, and I right. just run a business. Um, but professionally, I'm an editor. You know, I write, uh, I, I coach other writers as well. And mm-hmm. so that's who I am outside of writing. But I love that you asked that question because a lot of times when you ask somebody even how they're doing, they be like, oh yeah, my book is doing well, da, 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 da. but it's like, no, how are you doing? Exactly. So I always like to say who I am outside of writing is just this fierce woman of God who will do whatever God tells me to do as it pertains to the written word, because mm-hmm. I know words can change the world. Yeah, absolutely. That's absolutely. That's so powerful. So what, what was it like kind of writing your first uh, manuscript? And was that something that you intended on publishing traditionally? Or were you always going to say, hey, indie was the route for me? Nope, I because I had went to college for the master's in um, English, you learned about like agents in that route. And so the traditional publishing route. And ironically, my uh, two of my mentors were Miyasha and mm-hmm. Karen Equinones Miller. Mm-hmm. And we're all Temple alums. And so yeah. I had found out through Karen Equinones Miller, you know, she had an agent and she ended up helping Miyasha get an agent. And mm-hmm. so I took that route because I felt like it was the best route for a young adult. You know, uh-huh. at the time, you know, it's really kind of challenging to uh self-published young adults to an extent because yeah. a lot of the people you're trying to reach you got to reach their parents you know? right right right, right. <laughs> so right. my first manuscript was actually the one that I started sending out was called a song for Jordan and it was about a biracial teen girl whose uh father wasn't in her life because her grandparents her mother was white her grandparents you know were white and they paid him off but she didn't know that but Mm -hmm. she has this gift of singing and she ends up discovering that her favorite musician is her father wow Um, so it's a it's a it's a great journey but what's so crazy is I finished it when my mother had tongue cancer Mm. and that's when I started it it was almost like I was like you got all this time I had been laid off three weeks before she got diagnosed and I was like you need to write your book. It was like the perfect time. And though I was going through it, it was very therapeutic. Um, and when I finished it, you know, I did all the rewriting, editing, and then I started sending it out to agents. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's crazy. Cause you was like, your mom had been sick and had, you know, tongue cancer. And that's like the inability to speak, but mm-hmm. yet you're writing this, this YA about a girl who's using her, literally using her voice. Oh, wow. And, I didn't even and, look at and, that. And, and talking mm-hmm. about, you know, voice and the power of her voice and being connected to somebody through voice which is her father and I don't know I mean I don't know if you I mean I'm seeing the connection and I'm always looking at the ways lives inform what they write and I can see how that could inform like some of what what you you've written particularly with that YA 
because right. I mean a voice I mean it's about voices and voice right. and, and having a distinct type of voice yet your mom at the time you know losing her voice and, and an inability to speak that's just that is powerful sweet. that you said that uh yeah. because that is a great parallel and that mm-hmm. was true she had a trach tracheotomy uh in her throat for uh six weeks and mm-hmm. so she had finally learned how to text it was so mm-hmm. crazy I think it was the day before uh <laughs> she had just started texting and so yeah I love that you you brought that up but yep that was how I went about it and I did get one request for that book from a dream agent at that it mm-hmm. didn't work out but I just shared that to say you know the fears that some writers have when doing traditional publishing and knowing that you have to go through an agent mm-hmm. uh usually your first book very rarely do you get any requests right <laughs> so right, right. Uh, granted I got like 80 rejections but I was so grateful for that one request so yeah yeah, yeah. so how did you move on from YA to writing more contemporary romances and I'm gonna come back because I thought you said you were in a reality show <laughs> oh yeah met, yeah i've never met anybody that's been on a reality show like for real for real oh that's so funny yeah that. so, sure what, no that's probably what, fine what um what made you kind of make that transition, transition. to writing contempt right yeah so it's so interesting i think after like three uh, ya books i looked at it like it was really a call uh it was like I started seeing romance that it was good but I I felt like there was something missing so I my question was well what about the Christian woman which is why I write Christian romance which you can still classify as contemporary but I was like well what about the Christian woman like me who's trying to wait on God for me and maybe is abstinent uh, and isn't having sex like I'm not judging people who write it but what about her (laughs) so you know I was struggling to find Mm books because there was a time I would say up until about 2019 I read whatever like I didn't care if it had sex in it but at some point God was like you know you're you're triggering yourself because you're trying Mm. to maintain your abstinence so Mm. you got to do better Mm. and so I stopped reading stuff like that and what when I began to look for Christian romance or just romance that was clean and sweet the only one was white Amish inspirational you know and I was like I was like so much of Christian and and quote-unquote sweet even though I don't really like the term sweet oh yeah Uh, I agree I agree um (laughs) you know I'm saying or clean I don't like those terms just just saying Mm -hmm. you know you know just a a romance you know um but you know so much of it is is white and through the white gaze Mm -hmm. and even through the white gaze of Christianity yep you know what I'm saying like you know they don't have our jargon or lingo either what we use in the church in, in those in those romances and you kind of left out if you're a person who enjoys those types of romance and who wants to kind of stay in that lane and if you're black and a person of color you're gonna feel really left out and not seen exactly you know what i'm saying and and i i hear i definitely hear what you're saying there is a, a definite lane for that so what was it what was it about the first thing that you wrote that you were like okay I think I got something here yeah so the first digital publisher I was with which will remain nameless now I'm with B-Love Publications shout out to BLP um but the first one I did do an urban but again it was a little uncomfortable Mm -hmm. uh writing the sex scenes though I wasn't forced I was just like you know I want to try it Mm -hmm. and then I had a book that was completed no no I decided that I said I wanted to do Christian romance and at the time there was no lane for that under her umbrella but she let me 
And I knew that it was like, okay, if she's saying yes, God is trying to open this door for you. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go ahead and write my first one. And I loved how it came together. And it Mm -hmm. actually ended up making me realize you can still have drama intention without sex and cursing and vulgarity. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of how I made my way. I did like one urban I did like a new adult under her that was that had sex in it. Um, and then my last three were Christian. They mm-hmm. well, one was one was young adult, but the other two were Christian. And mm-hmm. I realized that this was a lane, excuse me, that God was carving out for me. So mm-hmm. when he called me to write Storms of Love, which was my first book under BLP that came out in June 22, mm-hmm. I literally poured over this book for like five weeks and it was out like as far as out in on paper and I knew that God had breathed on it it was so powerful and I was like wow so he was reminding me that what I did with that first ebook publisher back in 2015-16 it wasn't true yeah it wasn't true right and with this time he was like I want you to know like you were onto something when you did write that one Christian book Mm -hmm. under her Mm -hmm. and this is where I want you because black women need to see what it looks like to have a healed love when Mm -hmm. they're whole and they're healed and now that you're whole and healed you can write it from a different lens absolutely absolutely and and you you mentioned be love and i know a lot of our romance writers out there know who she is and you know it's on the spicy side you know what i'm saying it is spicy sometimes (laughs) it it write it you know what i mean and um i love that she took a chance on you and saw (laughs) that there was a lane for your voice to be had under her imprint yeah and i like that she's giving space for you to do you and not really try to hamper who you are as a writer yeah. um and say well I'm beloved I write you know what I'm saying because she could have been like that yeah she I'm beloved and I you know we only do spice over here so right. if you want to write under me you gonna you know like big red or something <laughs> five heartbeats <laughs> right but, right you know right. you gotta you gotta do it like this you know but she didn't do that so that's that's pretty that's pretty pretty awesome yes and just because you said that real quick thank you so much to be love Mm -hmm. um you know I'm about to put out my fifth book on March 9th which hopefully we can talk a little bit about and then I just put out the one on December 1st that we would talk about off air you know uh fumbled your heart and I do Mm -hmm. I'm super grateful forever grateful for her because when I found out I was the only Christian romance author it made me nervous but Mm -hmm. I am so grateful because the cultivation of how she cultivates our authors to be businesswomen and really helps us is powerful so just had to shout that out thank you yeah so how was your first like novel under this new imprint received by folks what was kind of like the the reception I don't know I I asked this question like later on like do you read reviews but like Mm -hmm. what 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 was the reception for readers particularly readers who are Christian women who Mm -hmm. love romance what was the reception to those books for you yeah, it was interesting because to your point, I do read the reviews and what I love the consistency of seeing. So I'm okay with the fact that I might not get a hundred reviews, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I loved seeing was the women who were saying this was like a breath of fresh air for me, or um, I didn't know this was what I needed. <laughs> you know, I remember like one person, not in the reviews, but just on a personal level, someone has said this to me personally that they felt like it had 
a lot of prayers and scripture in it, which it didn't come off preachy, but they was like, some of that could have been removed. But when I read the review that said, I needed these scriptures, I, I felt the anointing in the book. I was like, well, clearly they didn't need to be removed. Right. And right. so I say that just to say, like, I was nervous about the reception because again, these readers are used to a certain thing, but I found, I believe like a small tribe that appreciated, like you said, a lot of these readers, uh, just because they read erotica doesn't mean they're, they're Christian women. Like they want, Mm-hmm. Uh, we was reading Zane. I was reading Zane back in the day. Right. right. <laughs> so I appreciated that when you read the written reviews, um, it, it just speaks to when you obey God and do what he tells you to do, he'll he'll send you, you know, just like when Noah built the ark, he sent the animals. So he'll send you your tribe. And I just love seeing women saying this, wow, this is what I needed, or this changed my view on some things. And I didn't even know. I think in some ways with the conclusion I came to with a lot of the reviews, if I had to sum it up, was that the per, the perception of love from God's point of view and the way God wants us to, you know, do relationships is mm-hmm. key. It's mm-hmm. key to being happy in life. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and you mentioned something about being preachy and stuff. How do you, you know, you you added scripture, you added some things like that. But just like you said, one reader might say it's too much and other readers might say this is enough. How do you, in the broader kind of context of, of, of you building like storytelling, do you kind of m- balance that? Balance, uh-huh. Yeah, balance the, tr- the, the I'm being didactic and preachy versus I'm just trying to get this story across and I may have to use scripture to do it. You know, I love that question because I think the key for me is one, because I'm from Philly, that's what I love. All of my characters are usually from Philly or like Camden mm-hmm. or somewhere like New York. So mm-hmm. I'm always going to have swag. It ain't never right. going to be a preachy, preachy book, right? Right. But the way I balance it is depending on where the character is in life. So if there's a character who is, maybe she just came out of a relationship and she needs a little bit more healing um, and she's going back to her roots with Christ, you know, it, it depends. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will have a little bit more prayer in it because she's need, in need in a different way versus um, like the book that's coming out March 9th, The Essence of His Soul uh you know it has the flavor in it she you know they pray for each other but it's still like I didn't do a lot of scriptures in this one but you still feel the presence of God because they're both preachers kids right so it's just it depends on where the character is when I develop the character uh where they where they are on their their role basically you know where they are in their journey with Christ of how much I'll use but I have to say out of the, the fifth, this will be my fifth BLP release on March 9th. I have to say that the one that probably had the most was the first one, the Storms of Love, the one that somebody said, oh, it was a lot, but then somebody enjoyed it. That one probably had the heaviest. And I want to be clear, I didn't change it because of what somebody said. I flow literally with the Holy Spirit when I'm writing these books. So, right, right, so right. if he's like, is not as needed, then I don't do it, you know? But that first one, I think because I was really being introduced into the Christian romance lane, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I was hitting the marks. But, you know, as a writer, you grow, you learn that, oh, you don't have to have that much. And sometimes you do. Again, it depends on their trauma and what they're going through. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So as you kind of grow and develop your voice as a Christian romance artist or author, what were some, like, did you kind of lean on a tribe of other spiritual or or Christian authors that you're kind of like, you know, make up your 
tribe of women that you kind of lean on for like you know beta reading or even like mm-hmm. you know critique or anything like that because it can be difficult to like I know for a fact it would be difficult for me to like send my work off to somebody who's not really if I write rom-coms and they don't really write that exactly. you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying and they're like well what is I, I can't I don't really get it you know right. <laughs> it would be difficult for me to send I'll send that off to somebody who doesn't understand that particular genre subgenre. so do you have like a tribe or a group of women who you kind of like have a mentorship relationship with or a critique partner relationship with that kind of helps you get through kind of the tough times in writing so you know what's so interesting um in young adult I I do have someone, but in Christian romance, I haven't found that yet. However, uh, my pastor said this on his podcast the other day, you know, sometimes our mentors are people we will never meet physically, but we have that mm-hmm. virtual. Mm-hmm. And so my virtual mentor is Kim Cash Tate mm-hmm. um, and Kimberly Lawson Roby. Uh, you yeah. know, when I think about these two women, which is ironic, I was blessed to have Kimberly on my podcast, but even though she doesn't write Christian romance, we actually had a conversation about this on my podcast, how she was saying, I think one book of hers, she tried to write like curse words and God was like, why do you, why are you doing it? That's not even how you talk. And she felt convicted. And then I shared how I felt convicted um, mm-hmm. when I had tried to write something before. So she gave me encouragement. So while it wasn't like this back and forth critique, that interview uh-huh. empowered me. And yeah. then with Kim Cash Tate, to be honest, Storms of Love was written in third person omniscient, which is how she writes all her books. I took a chance because of her book. I was like, oh, I could do this. I don't have to do first person, dual point yeah. of view. Now, all my yeah. other books are dual point of view, but I wanted to try it. And mm-hmm. so I studied her work for a while, not too much because I, again, I, I don't like to read what I'm writing because right, I don't want right. their thoughts to seep into mine. But when I was just reading before I picked up the pen, she was my mentor mm-hmm. and I just learned from her and just kind of pulled on it. So I'm actually praying <laughs> that God will send me a tribe of women, you know, that mm-hmm. I can kind of do this with. But again, when you think about that Christian romance, black specifically, it's not a lot of us. So I think that's the struggle. I think, I think, but, but I think, no, they may not be calling it specifically Christian. Romance. That could be it. That could be it. You know what I'm saying? Right. I think that's it because, you know, they don't want to be labeled. Some people yeah. don't want to be pigeonholed a label where some people are fine with calling it Christian or inspiration. They might say it's inspirational romance. Right. You're right. You're right. You know what I mean? Because that's kind of, you know, we got Harlequin inspirational, which is a line mm-hmm. that's growing, growing, growing. And I, and some, some authors, I, I, I um as I as we were talking some authors kind of came to mind to me that I know for a fact I've read their work and there's a spiritual element to mm-hmm. it uh Preslasia Williams um is another is one person I think of um uh Kathy Douglas is another person I think of who's who's writing um and their work quote-unquote sweet romance or whatever mm-hmm. um but it, there's definitely a a a kind of thread of spirituality in it in it right, call right. It inspirational or not but it's definitely definitely in there so I, I would say look for the tribe of women who are writing inspiration yeah that's probably <laughs> Dude, what you it know is. what I'm saying yeah. Like, yeah 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 so or even yeah. in contemporary because at one point yeah I put some of my stuff under contemporary because I didn't want to be pigeonholed now mm-hmm. when it comes to pigeonholing though I'm okay with being in the Christian romance category and I'm gonna tell you why because I know that there are other women out there like me who are right. looking for it and they're mm-hmm. like where is it you know mm-hmm. and so sometimes when you're in contemporary you can get drowned out uh if you're not yet you know 
kind of popular, you know, or built, you've built that audience. Um, if you, if you're a contemporary and it has that element in it. So I, I actually enjoy being in the category, but when you mentioned them, it made me think of Lakeisha Johnson. Mm -hmm. uh, Jen, I think it's Jenna Kaboom. There's definitely lots of women in this space. Mm -hmm. um, but I just haven't, I guess, on a personal level found my tribe. Because some of these women have been writing longer than me, so they have their tribe, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think it's just me. It's only been a year. Not right. even June, it'll be a year. So mm -hmm. I'm sure I'll find my tribe. But in the meantime, I just connect um, where I can and just, you know, do my thing. So, yeah. Yeah. What's the biggest lesson you've learned since publishing your first book? Danana? The very first one. <laughs> Ooh, I think the biggest lesson I've learned is that there is truly, not that I was ever trying to be, but there's truly no overnight success in this industry, mm -hmm. whether you're traditional uh, indie published, you know, maybe have a smaller you know, ebook publisher. Uh, it doesn't matter. There is really no overnight success. And what I mean by that is even when you're popping on Amazon and the reviews are coming in, a lot of times I've had a bestsellers badge plenty of times, number one new release. In fact, every release under BLP has been at least a number one new release, but yeah. it don't always translate the dollars. Right. And so <laughs> I tell people that they be hype about that badge. I promote that badge because it brings in new readers because people right. love seeing, oh, it was a bestseller. Right. But I don't, you know, I'm not puffed up about that because I understand that here I am like almost 20 books in and it's still a journey. It is yeah. still a journey. And so I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned that not to look at other people because I kind of saw other people in my early 20s like, oh, Bob, you know, she killed it. She put out three books and boom, yeah, she, yeah. She, re she retired or she uh, is talking about how she a full-time author and you see those success stories. So you think by your third or fourth book, you're going to have your bread and butter and that's not always the case. So yeah, your journey is biggest. your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what have what has been like, you know, the main thing you're trying you try to do as far as like balancing you as a Christian author and not inserting so much of maybe yourself into the into the into the novel mm -hmm. and trying to kind of maybe reach a broader audience because I know I had <laughs> when I put out my debut I felt after I put it out I was like. I feel like I put a little too much of this, that, the third in here. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. How do you how do you kind of avoid that and try to quote unquote have you know broader appeal to people, or do you even care about broader appeal to people? When you say broader, you mean outside the Christian genre, either outside the Christian genre genre to get people to to kind of you know um, be interested in your work, yeah. Or outside of just the genre in general somebody who may not even read romance and who you know or maybe want to be interested in romance how do you kind of get them to kind of like you know what are some things things think oh these are universal things that I think will appeal to everybody yeah I think one of the things that's universal for me and when you talked about kind of infusing myself into it a little bit mm -hmm. it's funny because storms of love when I think of Ellie I'm like Ellie is me straight through and through. <laughs> uh you know Philly Ray straight shooter no chaser the way I created her but of course I gave her some elements that aren't like me um I think for me the one thing that I, I tie in consistently is entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and I love that as a universal thing because 
it is more common today than it was, you know, 20 years ago for us, especially in the mm-hmm. Black community, mm-hmm. but also the things that they are doing in, in the lane of entrepreneurship. So I try to look for unique uh, lanes um, and sometimes similar, like Ellie was a hairstylist, a Hollywood hairstylist for movie sets, and she had, mm-hmm. you know, a, a line of hair care uh, oil. And so sometimes it's it's stuff that you've heard before, but then sometimes I try to be unique in it. But I mm-hmm. think that entrepreneur uh, thing is a universal thing mm-hmm. uh, that I enjoy incorporating. I also believe that while my characters may be from the city of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the way that I give them that like their uh, wounds, mm-hmm. I, I believe a lot of the wounds are universal. Yes. Um, yeah. I definitely speak to like, growing up without a father for you know a black man who's 38 in my book like what does that mm. look like mm-hmm. you know I speak to Ellie was raised like for instance in storms of love by her grandparents mm-hmm. um which is a common thing oh, uh, yeah. a lot of times in the black community uh mm-hmm. if your mother wasn't there or whatever the case may be in her case you know well I want you to read the book so I ain't gonna say why but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> in, in her case though it was a little different mm-hmm. um but I tried to look for even universal wounds mm. that will pull other people in so even if they're reading it if it's a white person or a latino person or asian person they they're not even looking at the color of the person that they're mm-hmm. like wow this resonated with me because mm-hmm. of the wounds which ironically in my the third book in the storms of love series which was a holiday release in loving bliss bliss is half korean and half black and i did that on purpose because i lived in south korea for a year as a teacher mm-hmm. and i wanted to always extrapolate from that experience the struggles that we have in common Mm -hmm. those common themes with Korean children a lot of people don't realize this or Asian children as a whole they might have two parent households but them parents working and sometimes them kids are not always getting attention see people think Mm -hmm. because they're well behaved sometimes or they're getting these straight A's yeah (laughs) because you know they they got you know they're raised with parents who have ironclad fists but Mm -hmm they still sometimes feel an absent parent, even though yeah, the person yeah. is present. So yeah. I, I loved how with Bliss, I was just able to give her wounds that spoke to the culture. And mm-hmm. so that's what I think those two things, I don't want to um you know ramble too much, but the two things I think that makes my books kind of universal and pull, appeal to other people is the wounds that I use mm-hmm. and choose and then the entrepreneurship angle. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, you mentioned the wounds. I want to talk about like difficult scenes to write. So mm-hmm. write, what's been the most difficult scenes for you to write? Is it exposing those wounds of your characters and the reasons behind those wounds? Are those some of the most difficult scenes to write? Um, well, you have to kind of dig down and how do you prepare yourself to write these difficult scenes? I think the most difficult scenes to write are the wounds that I've experienced myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. particularly as a girl growing up in North Philly whose father mm-hmm. wasn't in the home. And I was actually blown that I was able to write Storms of Love and not cry because even when Ellie does connect with her father, Mm -hmm. uh, his response reminded me a lot of mine. Like, you still don't get it. You still don't get it. Like, you know, so um, it's difficult if I've gone through the wound and it's difficult because I have to finish the story. I have to do the character justice Mm -hmm. um, because it's like, if you just 
you know, if you paint the picture, but you don't let people really see what it's like. And I think that's why that book really resonated with people because I was able to put my, my passion behind it because it was my, a little bit of my story. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be difficult because the emotional part is there. and it can kind of pull on you even though I'm healed and I'm in therapy and I've been in therapy to deal with that wound Mm -hmm. it can still kind of make you you got to go back because writers we pull from a deep place even if it's not something we went through we still got to pull from a deep place Mm -hmm. um and so I'll say this too the other difficult part of it is when say I use that wound um and I don't use it in every book but if I use that wound of a absent father, when, if I, if I write a story where they do make amends, it could still be triggering because that's not my real life story yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's difficult sometimes to write happiness mm, mm, <laughs> because mm. if I'm still struggling with this wound, well, not the wound, but if I, I'm healed, but if I'm still waiting for the restoration of the relationship with me and my dad, but I give another character their happy moment with their dad right, man right. that could be difficult too <laughs> right, so. right yeah listen it's like it's like being single and you trying to write all these happy endings for couples listen, like, listen where's my happy ending <laughs> struggling every girl, day every, yes. every time I submit to be I'm like dang is my man coming like <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like oh or 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 let's say you you're tearing it and you've been praying for a child and your your Mm. character is you know experience infertility issues and stuff like that that's difficult that's that's difficult to to write write or experience a child loss or something like that that's that's that is extremely difficult to write yeah it is you you know I'm gonna add this really quick because you just blessed me when you said this Ellie and battles of love this the Mm follow-up she struggles with that infertility and Mm. and I think I put it in the synopsis so it's okay and here's what's crazy since uh October September October when I started seeing my new OBGYN now I'm not going to speak that over me that I have fertility issues Mm -hmm. however it's funny that I am struggling a little bit with something because you know Mm. nothing's wrong I'm healthy but uh, my hormones is a little off. So mm-hmm. it's so ironic how I wrote about that, not knowing that I would be months later, mm-hmm. uh, kind of dealing with my own again, not right. exact fertility issues, but definitely where, when it comes time, when I get married, I'm going to have to see a fertility doctor. So I said, wow, here I am writing a story. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and yeah. here I am in this moment now, you know, obviously I'm not concerned about it now. You know, I'm praying, I'm eating all the fish and all that, but I, I haven't met my, my mate. So I'm not stressing over it, but mm-hmm. you know, there is some concern here is my point. So I love that you said that because you brought up fertility, not even realizing that Ellie had that issue. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So writing can be like long and solitary for us. So how do you break up those moments where you're feeling like you're in the weeds and you just like, don't know where to go. And you have a serious, serious case of writer's block. Uh, you know, it's funny. I do prayer walks. I usually walk like three or four days a week, about 45 minutes to an hour just for exercise, but I usually turn it into prayer walks. So, Mm -hmm. excuse me. So the first half I might, um, I'll pull out my, uh, voice diary on my phone. I've been keeping a voice diary for a minute and I'll just record prayers. And then when I'm done, maybe the last half of my walk on my way back to my apartment, I'll just let God download whatever needs to be downloaded. And there have been times I've come back in and been able to pound it out. 
or the next day, because usually I write in the morning um, mm-hmm. and I walk in the afternoon. So usually the next day and I'll, I'll even record what God says, like, I'm like, OK, boom. So Ellie will be like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and <laughs> I find myself just so free in my mind and so clear and able to get back to whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, another way I kind of just break it up is. It's so ironic because I have a post scheduled uh, to come out on Instagram that talks about um, taking care of your health when you work from home. And I'm like, I think sometimes as writers, we forget about the mental health and just being healthy, period. Like, you know, you can sit at the computer for six hours when you were a writer and you really into it, but you digging in chips, right? Right, <laughs> so, right, right. So sometimes for me, it's just remembering like you need to eat, like bring your fruit over here, bring your, uh, I do raw sunflower seeds, you know, a good healthy snack, bring that over mm-hmm. here by the computer. Mm-hmm. So even when I get stuck sometimes, I'll just sit back in my computer chair or I'll get up and walk around and get my little steps in through the apartment, eat the apple, be eating a piece of fruit. Right. And even that just in and of itself, like I think we underestimate like brain food or just nourishing ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And I tell people, if you writer's block, did you eat? Right, right, right. Did you so much just, or so did much you run through your lunch? Right. <laughs> so much just fueled on coffee and vibes. And right. we're, not even like, we're not even caring about what we eat and put in our body, which is just terrible. You're right. Oh, God. You are so right about this. Yeah. I, I'm like, look, sometimes your writer's block is courtesy of you having a food block. Like, you got a headache and you thinking your head, your head hurt because you've been staring at the computer for three hours, but you ate, you wrote through lunch. Right. So, right, yeah, right. for me, one way is just to make sure I'm nourished and hydrated throughout the day. I will get up from this computer in a heartbeat and then the other one my prayer walks have my prayer walks probably wrote that whole storms of love series i'm gonna be honest it it wrote the series (laughs) because it just allowed me that breath of fresh air and i live in here in atlanta you know the walks are really beautiful because you know i live in kind of a suburb so you got the nature uh mm-hmm. and I get to like see people and just kind of like look and even smile at a dog and you know you just never know I gave Ellie a dag on dog because I saw a dog child <laughs> <laughs> we gonna, listen I'm in Atlanta too we're gonna have to talk offline so like where you walking you might have to come walk with me one day oh, so, so we, we have to talk we have I to think talk I did see that and your Twitter I think I saw that that you're yeah. in Atlanta okay yeah I've been in Atlanta too so you mentioned that you were on a reality show I want to know about this <laughs> Sure. Oh, yeah, it's a great America's next, next great, great author. author. Yeah. What how was that experience for you? Like I've never met anybody personally that's been on a reality show. Like I know somebody like, you know, somebody went to high school with, but we're not that tight on a reality show. But like somebody I've never known anybody to like compete on a reality show. How was that? Well, I do want to clarify because it was a competition, I did not make the cut. So <laughs> so uh, what it was, was America's Next Great Author. It was the filming of the pilot. Um, mm-hmm. And for those of you who may not be familiar, just a quick definition as a TV writer, um, pilot episodes are always that first episode that you show to a network and they decided they want to pick up the show. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, it was interesting because it, when, you know, when I got the email that I was a semifinalist, I didn't realize the impact of it. And so we got to Jersey and we found out that it was out of like 815 people that wow. these 100 people have been chosen. Wow. 
And so I was like, okay, you know, it kind of hits you. And to be honest, I'm not going to front the experience itself was smooth. You know, you think like you're going to be tired and frustrated because mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I was thinking like America Idol, you're going to have his number on you. Right, right, right. <laughs> and you're going to be like, all right, how are you up? You ain't called my number yet. But because there was only, I think out of the hundred semifinals, only 75 RSVP'd. And so um, it actually was a smooth process. The way it went, they did little interviews, you know, outside and we was, you know, on the camera. Um, Then we went into the library where it was filmed. And when I did not hear my name, girl, my stomach dropped because they only picked 20 of the 75. And they told us way in advance before you book that ticket and pay your your way, there will only be 20 people who get to pitch their books. And so- the experience itself was exhilarating and beautiful. I met so many great writers mm-hmm. and, but the moment sitting in that room, I, Chanel, I know why they cry when they get rejected on America Idol, honey. Cause I was like, what do you mean? You ain't called how, how does a competition for writers work though? You know, like, I, what, I, are the, what, are, what, what, how does that work? Yeah. I think that was the beauty of it. So we had to submit our pitches before. Mm-hmm. um like via email like we had mm-hmm. to submit uh in order to even be selected it was the first chapter it was a pitch of the book first chapter and a video video pitch oh and you, wow. had to sh- okay. you had to share something unique about yourself like in that video and you had to do it in a minute so you don't have a lot of time so uh then it narrowed it down to the hundred and then when we uh, th- they basically based it off the pitch. They rewatched the videos and reread the, the one page pitch. And that's how they decided the 20. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, okay. you know, after they narrowed it down to the 100, they narrowed it down, obviously the 75, because not all 100 showed up. And they just spent like a whole couple nights, I guess. Well, it was like a night really because we were only there for two days. They spent that whole night just kind of going through the video pitches, which isn't really too bad because each one is only a minute. So you figure they probably spent like three hours or something mm-hmm. and they chose 20 people and you just didn't know. You were just sitting there on pins and needles until you heard uh, the description first. You know, they they wrote out a description like this person hails from blah, blah, blah. Stuff. It's <laughs> not a cool to hear that, you know. And then when, when I ain't never hear Philly, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, every time they said somebody hails from somewhere, I'm like holding my breath. So when they got the number 20 and I, I forgot what city they said, I mean, I've never cried over rejection before. And so that, oh, wow. never, wow. because in-person rejection versus an email from an agent saying they're not, that is different. It's yes, totally yes. different. Yeah. So yeah, it was still a good, healthy experience. And I got to meet Victoria Christopher Murray, who is a banging Christian, of uh, yeah. Christian author, New York Times yeah. bestseller. And she loved my pitch. I pitched her one-on-one, honey. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So her, her, her um, seven deadly sins series, mm-hmm. everything. She mm-hmm. didn't finish it though, girl, because look, we, we waited on like three books. So like, what the rest of the sins? <laughs> right, right. And that is so funny. I know, right? Like we got a little more sin to go. <laughs> I know we got a little more sin to go. <laughs> yeah. But that was such a God moment because it was the next day and I, she was coming, getting out the van, the shuttle, because they, they did a second day of filming with the winning. And let me say, shout out. I have, uh, uh, it was a pleasure to lose to this sister and she killed, she sang half her pitch. So she deserved. <laughs> so oh, wow. she, she said some of it. And then the end, like the last two lines, she was saying, I was like, girl, you gonna win. I just felt it in my spirit. Mm-hmm. But, um, the winner got invited back the next day for some more filming. And so when Victoria Christopher Murray was getting out the van, I was like, all right, 
wait a minute, she right here. So she took a picture with my mom and I was like, you better take your chance. You don't know what door might open. And so I said, do I have time to pitch you? She said, all right, but I'm gonna be honest. And so I I did it about 55 seconds uh, because you want to get a minute. And she was like, "Uh, I don't have anything to say (laughs) that's negative. And I was like, listen, I got it on tape. You go to my YouTube. I am not lying. I'm not (laughs) I'm not saying that just to make it seem like I'm this dope writer. No, I was expecting her to tear it up like Simon. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Cause I saw her judge all the other writers. Right. And she was nice. I'm not saying she, but I was expecting her to be like, well, first of all, and then when she was like, I don't have anything to say. Wow. I just think it was a God wink Uh to say, you may not have won this, but you still won. And you're still yeah. a great writer. So you yeah. want somebody over yes. to be a fan of yours, who I'm sure is going to look out for your work anytime yeah. you put something out there and, and, and read it, hopefully is a reader of your work too. So yes. yeah, you definitely want somebody over. You just, you didn't win, but you won somebody over and you get exactly. a new audience through that. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. yeah, that was it. That was the whole America's Next Great Author experience. So I won't know until they let us know. Email uh if it got picked up. Okay. Hollywood is a Hollywood is a ball game, and you know, I'm aware of that. So that once they tell us, I'll be able to announce like, oh, okay, guys, it got picked up. Now I don't know if my footage is gonna make it, <laughs> but that is reality though. Sometimes yeah. you'll film for six hours and 10 minutes of that makes it. So, yeah, that's true. That is so yeah. true. But you've written pilots as well. So yeah. or concepts for pilots as well. Like, do you are you hoping to transition this work into screenwriting and and maybe stuff for the screen? Yes, I actually lived in Hollywood for a year, 2018 to 2019. Um, I had a chance to pitch MGM, one of my mm-hmm. young adult actually novels. I had um written the screenplay for it, the TV show. And so um, I'm constantly still networking and doing my thing. I still have executives who um, I've connected with who will write me a recommendation letter for like one of the TV writing programs if I decide to go in. Mm -hmm. And um, that is absolutely my hope. But what I love is that when God gives me an idea for TV, I just have an idea for TV. Like I have one that I was working on in 21 um, with two uh, producers in Hollywood. Now it, it ended up falling through, but just the fact that I had two, you know, women who believed in me and was working with me on it and giving me notes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a wonderful experience. So I would love to see Storms of Love picked up by a streaming service, like the whole series. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I would love to see some of my books adapted. But what I love is that I, I'm such an idea machine that mm-hmm. I have fresh ideas for TV and then ones that are, you know, for the novels, ones that are for YA. You know, mm-hmm. it's just that type of thing. But yes, I would love for the rights to be bought to any of my books, really. Yeah, yeah. What makes the pitches and, and ideas for for TV and, and film different from the ones for novel what makes you say I'm gonna this is really for a novel versus this is for a, a, a tv show I think if it comes to me in visual back-to-back scenes though I do see my novels visually I think it just depends on how it comes to me visually and the consistency like if I keep seeing this picture and it knocks me upside my head and then I can literally see uh you know each scene mm-hmm. playing out um, and sometimes it's really just prayer. Like when I wrote the one, um, Grace's daughters, the one that I was working with the two women, 
it was literally God was like, this is it. This is the idea. And this is television. You're, you're not going to write a novel for this. Right. And then I had, you know, so I think a lot of times God will tell me up front, but I think for me, the way I've seen the difference in how he tells me is when I literally can like visually from beginning to end, see it as a 44 minute show. Mm -hmm. and it comes like in a quick movie like almost quickly and I'm able to be like okay and then also I tend to when I get an idea I write a synopsis one page for all my ideas and then I might sit with it for a long time and then I'll say okay this feels more like a novel Mm -hmm. you know so sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just sitting with it but I usually like to write it out at least a one page synopsis so I can sit with it for a while um but like anything that I've written I will I would never write Grace's Daughters as a a young adult novel because it's about three uh, sisters. And with Storms of Love, I would have never written it as a script. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like usually I can see it. So yeah, yeah, I get it. The visualization both is kind of different. I got it. I got it. So I mean, we we were talking offline, but you saying "Fumble Your Heart" is the is the book that's been re released more times, and it's just resonated with a lot of folks. Why yeah. is it? Why has that book resonated with so many people? Um, and you've I, had to release it, re release it several times. Right, right. I think well, the first time I got my rights back from my first digital publisher, praise God, and then the uh-huh. second time I had put it out. But sometimes it's like you put something out, but you know it could do better when you when you're signed to somebody and so mm-hmm. I had decided to you know put it out under be love and first of all I think people love sports romances oh, even, yes. even even oh, if they're yes. not like huge fans of that sport I mm-hmm. think it's just something about the things that are in sports romance the elements that just even if because I'm not even a football girl and that was the first one my my sport is basketball uh-huh. you know even with us talking about the Eagles I'm not a huge yeah. I'm a Philly fan I'm not a huge Eagles fan I'm just got a, it got it got so it. writing about football was scary for me but I think what resonates with readers with this book is the element of drama that's there without and I'm just going based off of one of the reviews that was just most recent it's the element of drama without the vulgarity and like it having to be toxic drama mm, mm. and I, I saw that in a review that's exactly mm-hmm. how she said it like it was like tastefully done drama and mm-hmm. I think because it's that sports element where there's already drama with a football player oh yeah even if he's faithful to the core the women the groupies you know the oh, ex-girlfriend yeah. Yeah. so I think people just love that and I also think they love that they they were together as teenagers and then it goes 10 years later mm-hmm. so it's that second chance love oh yeah I think fumbled your heart captures people because they're like wow if it's really meant to be you'll find your way back to your boo (laughs) yes absolutely absolutely. yeah 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 I think people are just intrigued by football players in Mm -hmm. general and how they can take so many hits and just (laughs) yeah yeah taking hits and just keep going and and get knocked down and literally get back up like that's the perfect metaphor for life it's just getting knocked down and literally getting back up to to face your battles and you as a christian writer writing about something by by that physically gets knocked down having to get back up and having to face things is is a perfect that's a perfect metaphor i think yeah that is yeah Yeah. you're so right and i think with the trials that trent and jesse go through Mm -hmm. uh is just yeah you're you're absolutely right you're absolutely mm-hmm. right about that so yeah mm-hmm. yeah so what's next for you in in the series of books that you're you're writing now 
so the next book is uh the essence of his soul which comes out on march 9th and super excited about it because i did get to write about basketball uh shane bishop <laughs> shane bishop is a basketball player and he does play for i made up the team philadelphia panthers um and he falls in love and meets uh this amazing music mogul uh named essence taylor and she runs taylor made music group what's funny though is they're both pks preacher's kids mm. and that mm. is what makes this book everything <laughs> because mm -hmm. the angle of drama that you can bring in with two you know preacher kids you know especially with her father being a bishop so he's like what you would consider a bishop jakes of this book right and then his father is you know a pastor but not like has his own church so there's just this mm -hmm. dynamic of struggle you know her father feels like you're in a demonic industry so you got all of these different mm -hmm. angles mm -hmm. and you put these two people together who weren't even really looking for love and mm. this beautiful friendship forms that ends up being the thing they need right before all hell breaks loose in their life. So wow. It's wow. Really good. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh first, this is the second book with a man on the cover. And so wait till the cover <laughs> reveal, February 23rd. Y'all gonna be like, listen. <laughs> <laughs> I showed one of my friend, my podcast partner. Um, she was like, "Oh, he is. Oh, he is. Yes." I was like, "Yeah." Usually, <laughs> you know, I usually have women on the covers. Fumble your heart had a football player, but you couldn't really see his face because. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But this one, oh yeah, they they going they gonna download it just because of the cover. <laughs> but it is a beautiful story of just two people who were meant to find each other. I, mm -hmm. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that sounds wonderful thank you so i'm gonna ask you a few questions sure. like kind of rapid fire questions like we're in the actor studio mm -hmm. um, so uh what was your favorite book as a kid just one book oh okay oh, <laughs> any book like as a kid the berenstain bears oh, okay yeah berenstain bears okay do you like writing heroes or villains heroes heroes okay um I think we can recover what the hard the hard scenes are to write mm -hmm. but do you like writing like the dramatic scenes or do you write like writing like the love love scenes not not, not explicit love scenes you don't I have you. that but just like love scenes I get you where the couple's together and your experience yeah. of love I like the, the love scenes for sure <laughs> your favorite place to write in my room on my bed, my laptop on my lap. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, book reviews to read or not to read? To read. To read. I like pissing people off. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, you, you don't go in and answer people, do you? you like who no, I don't have talk about it. I don't have to talk Please don't do that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's not that deep. People are entitled to their opinion. Yeah, yeah. they are. They are. <laughs> Um, does music help you write and if so do you make playlists for every book that you write I do make playlists not for every book um, I haven't done them for the last few and music does help me to write I'm generally uh, a huge Nas fan um, more so when I'm editing I like to get crunk when I'm editing but if I'm yeah. writing I like listening to like Chrisette Michelle something mm -hmm. to put me in the mood mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. something smooth Got it. yeah yeah Sade show Sade yes Yes, yes, I'm excited. Um, have if you're a fan of movies, have you have you ever seen a movie that you thought was better than the book, or the adaptation of the movie was just as good as the book? And if so, what was it? 
Uh, it's funny because if I saw the movie, I probably didn't read the book because <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, um, what was it? The Fault in Our Stars? Oh, yeah. One, and a lot of people I know said it was better. But usually for me, yeah, if I saw the movie, I probably didn't read the book. I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am a fan of movies. <laughs> Listen, sometimes it's like that. I remember I, I saw... Um, what, 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 what book was that? Um, the sun is also a star. Oh, I was going to say that. You took the words right off my mouth. Yeah, yeah I saw ahead. that. I saw that. I saw the movie first before I read the book, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh, this is cute." And then I was like, "Oh yeah, I like the movie better." It didn't, tra- it didn't <laughs> translate. It didn't yeah. translate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so I thought the movie. I thought the movie was good. I, I thought they were both equally good, but I, I really liked the movie better than I did the book. And it's funny you said it because I read Nicola Yoon's Everything, Everything, the first book. Mm-hmm. I think it was her first book. Yeah. And then The Sun Is Also a Star. It was just on Amazon Prime, so I watched it, and I love Yara Shahidi. So yes, yes, definitely yes. was gonna watch it. But yeah, to your point, that's the challenge with Hollywood. Yeah. you know we could talk about that another time but sometimes you don't get you, you really don't always get a say they she said they did ask her and she appreciated it but you don't always get a say in how it translates mm-hmm. on screen yeah that's so, so true yeah but okay let's talk about movies if your book became a movie who would you want to play the lead mm-hmm. <laughs> well if it was let's go with the last release fumbled your heart mm-hmm. i would have uh for jesse Oh my gosh, I think I actually wrote this down in our um, promo packet, but I'll make it quick. So for Trent Jordan Calloway, I love okay. Jordan Calloway. And uh-huh. for Jesse, I would have to say, oh, Jordan Calloway is a little too young for her. I was, I was gonna say <laughs> Nia. I was gonna say Nia, but no, 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 no. We can do that. Um, I'm trying to think of a young up-and-coming person that I think would really fit Jesse well. Um Hmm. you know what let's let's come back to that one maybe I'll think of it by the time you ask your last question because I don't (laughs) want to just throw him with nobody but Jordan Calloway love him very underrated not sure if you know where he's from but very underrated actor yeah yeah Yeah. um what is your favorite word to use in your writing like something you notice you write over and over and over again John no I'm just joking (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't even think I ever what's funny is I do keep my jargon because I'm not going to change for you know but I don't think I've ever used John in a book so I'm gonna be honest um (laughs) yeah uh favorite word um facts facts like you know like facts okay yeah (laughs) i do say that quite a bit not too much and i ain't trying to get on b nerves when she go to edit or the editor (laughs) you say this a little too much but i do say facts a lot because you know a lot of people from the hood we use that or just people in general so yeah yeah we would say like true effects or something like that yeah 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 so Um, so where would you like to see romance novels go in like the next decade particularly like Christian romance novels, where would you like to see them go in the next decade? I would just love to see more representation on the shelves for this particular mm-hmm. genre. Um, even just Black romance, period. I, I would love to go into a Barnes & Noble and see more. Uh, there was a time you can go into any bookstore and it didn't have to necessarily be Black, but you would go to a section and find your tribe, your people, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like that has disappeared. And... Mm-hmm. 
I would love to see more just representation in bookstores. It doesn't have to be a Barnes and Noble. Of course, we have a lot of local independent Black bookstores that are supporters. There's some yeah. online ones, um, but I would just love to see the Christian romance shower pushed a little bit mm-hmm. more to the forefront, just as much as erotica or other genres mm-hmm. um, of romance. I would love to see this pushed because I think you know, love is love and healing is healing. And so, and I put mental health in a lot of my books. And so sometimes people are there, it's cool for them to have fun and read other romance novels, but sometimes they do want to read something that makes them feel light when they close it. Yeah. A palate cleanser. Cause sometimes you just need something that's going to heal you. You might've been reading some heavy stuff. They're not necessarily uh romance related. It could be non-fiction or something you just want exactly it's going to be a palate cleanser that you don't have to like feel angsty about reading you know yeah yeah, for sure for sure okay I have it Bianca Pathum okay I don't know if you know we actually are connected uh she uh yeah we are actually connected she actually just moved here to ATL um Bianca Pathum played in uh, Switch That Birth, if you've ever watched the show, which was also based off of books, but it used to come on ABC Family, but you can go watch it on like, I think Hulu. Yeah, Hulu has it. Um, she's a Black actor, fun, nominal. Um, and she's been in a, a couple of other things, but I would say that's like her. Oh, she played, you know what? Perfect. She plays Martin's daughter in Bad Boys. She's the oldest one. Remember, oh, yeah. Megan had the baby. Yep, that's Bianca yeah. Bethune. Yeah, that's yeah. her. She's so sweet. And she... Yeah, I could see her, Jazzy, playing Jazzy. Yep. Oh, yeah. Her with Jordan Calloway. Yeah. 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 You see the look? Yeah. yeah I can. They look, they look good. Yeah, I had to Google her. I, was like, I, I never knew Jordan Calloway is because I watched um, um, Black Lightning. So I knew okay. who he was. But yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can see them. They look cute together. I, I can see yeah. that working. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, what, as, when it's all said and done and you've written like 500 more books? Um, what does literary success look like to you? What would be the most rewarding thing from the whole process of being published? Sitting in a room full of women at a conference who've read my book and hearing them say, I waited on God for my mate. Simple Mm. as that. Like that is success for me. Like not saying if it's a, say a 500 person, you know, conference, not saying all 500 of them will say it, but just hearing as many testimonies as possible that women, because they read my book, they realize it's not corny to wait on God for your mate. It's not corny to be abstinent. It is perfectly okay to be countercultural when it comes to the way people tell you, you know, to look for love or whatever. I would just, that's, that's success for me, that the book has an impact on your real life in a positive way. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maya, for coming on to the podcast. This has been wonderful. Thank you. Yes. So fruitful. (laughs) And you have proven that writing romance is not just a hobby. It's not just something you do. It is an absolutely a calling Mm -hmm. and it is a calling on your life. And I can tell from the way you talk about your work, the way you talk about writing, the way you want to carve out your niche, that you have a calling on your life and you have a calling to heal, help, and sustain women who are looking for romance in healthy, positive ways. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. For coming on the podcast and sharing with us. And where can people find you on social media and where can they get your books? 
Yes. So I am Writer Maya. That's W-R-I-T-E-R-M-Y-A. Writer Maya on all platforms. And writermaya.com is my website. So if you go to writermaya.com, click on books, it'll take you right to my Amazon page. All the books are available there. Um, And I would love for you guys to hit me up, you know, Instagram, comment on a post, uh, talk to me, engage with me because you know, readers are what we need to know. Like, what else would you like to see in this particular genre? So yes, writermaya.com and writermaya on everything, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all over. Are the books, are any of your books available on audiobook? Not yet. I'm praying for those, I'm praying for those deals um, to come through, but everything is available. Of course, ebook and print. Fumble Your Heart, will be available in print within the next couple of weeks um nice. but everything is available in ebook and in print and of course kindle unlimited so. nice nice so thank you so much Maya for coming thank on you. it's been an absolute pleasure it was a blessing thank you so much I want to thank my guest Maya K for coming on to the podcast Again, you can find all of her social media and information linked in the information description for this particular podcast episode. Once again, I'm Tati Richardson, and thank you all for coming on and joining us for another episode of Romance and Color. You can find out more about Romance and Color on our Instagram at Romance in Color with a U and on Twitter at Romance, the letter N, and Color with a U. And you can find out more about me pretty much everywhere on social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at the handle Richard Writes On, and on my website, TatianaRichardson.com. And just a reminder, we just got a month until my debut novel, The Build Up, uh, comes out on Karina Press. So you all go ahead and pre-order it. In the meantime, take care, God bless, and I'll see you all next week.